Hi guys, welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I am Jennifer and this is episode 80. Update. Things are good. I finally, finally got back to the beach. I went a few days ago. Oh my gosh. I told you the weather was changing here and the weather has been spectacular. And I haven't been to the beach in a really long time. I used to go mm, several times a month. And then, I don't know why. I mean, I think there's a lot of different reasons. But um, last year, I just, I think I may have gone once, maybe twice. If mm, I don't. I know it was nowhere near as often. Now, obviously, you know, with there was a period of time when the beaches were closed because of stupid COVID. But, you know, I mean, you can't really use that excuse when you're in Florida because we weren't uh, in lockdown for very long. So, but I, yeah, a lot of different reasons. But I went on Friday. It was a gorgeous day. And, and right down here right now is like the perfect time of year. It's, you know, warm, but not crazy humid. So uh, it's, I, I just, (laughs) I woke up Friday morning and I thought, all right, I'm not, I'm done procrastinating. I don't know what has kept me from going. I don't know if it was laziness, you know, whatever. I know what it is. I, you all know what it is because I've talked about all the reasons before. Um, but I pushed all those reasons aside and I packed up my little beach bag and I went and uh, it was so nice. It wasn't busy. Um, the beach that I go to is actually a state park and you do have to pay an admission to get in. It's worth it to me because I think that that keeps a lot of the population down because there's a lot of other, you know, free beaches that aren't far from that one. So I took the longest walk on the beach that I have taken in a really long time. I mean, I literally went as far as I could go in one direction, turned around and went as far as I can go in the other direction and then came back to my towel. It is, you know, um, obviously you can't just walk the entire beach because then there's, it's private property on either side, but, um, it's a few miles long. I, think I walked a total of just over five miles, which felt great at the time, but I broke my ankle when I was 16. And although I love walking on the beach, I pay for it um, the days after. So I've been, I've been a little hobbled the last few days, but totally worth it. I don't care. I, I, I will do it again. And then when I was done with my walk and I sat for a while, I brought my book, I got a lot of sun. I'm a little on the crispy side, but I I don't care. I <laughs> like I said, totally worth it. I I will do it again. Um, this Friday is going to be another gorgeous day. I hope to be able. I have some things that I have to do, um, in the morning. But I'm hoping once I'm done with those appointments that I'll be able to get back there again. I love it. It was kind of like you know. You know, when you're doing something and you sort of like are in the middle of it and you think like, this is, I'm getting to do the thing right now that I've always dreamed of doing. I I remember for all the years that I lived in Western New York, all I would dream of was living in a place that was warm, that was close to the water. 
And I am. And I have been for more than five years now. And there are still some days when I cannot believe how many changes have happened in my life and how lucky I am to be where I am right now. And then after, you know, I'd kind of had enough sun, I got back in the car and I took the long way home, which is just kind of like the back roads that take me, you know, just kind of along the coastline and turned the music up and put the windows down and just enjoyed the ride home. And, you know, got home, took a shower, took a little nap, got up, I felt great. The skin was nice and toasty. <laughs> and I made chicken taquitos for dinner. I had a couple of beers on the patio. It was as close to a perfect day as I have had in a really long time. And it was exactly what I needed. It was, I just felt by the time I went to bed Friday night, I just felt so good, so relaxed, like more relaxed than I have felt in months. Ah, it was, it was glorious. I, I'm very lucky, very fortunate to, to have the life that I have down here. I don't, I know a couple of weeks back, I told you that, um, you know, I wanted to take like a little mini vacation for my birthday, which is coming up in a few weeks. I, it's not looking like I'm going to be able to do that on my actual birthday. I really, really want to go to Cocoa Beach, but it happens that March is a really busy time in Daytona. I, I mean, obviously, you know what Daytona is, is famous for. I, I could not care less about NASCAR. So I, I never know when Daytona is going to be busy, but apparently March is a big NASCAR month, question mark. Um, so Cocoa Beach is close enough to Daytona that if something is happening in Daytona, then it's going to affect the availability of anything in Cocoa Beach as well. And what is still available is way out of my, um, out of my, uh, price line. So I, I, there's, I, I'm not going to be able to go for my birthday. Um, I will go eventually because I really, really want to see Cocoa Beach just from the pictures alone. It looks beautiful, but I just can't afford, um, right now to be able to stay there in March, but that's okay. It'll, ha it'll happen eventually, <laughs> but I need to figure out what I'm going to do for my birthday because I can't just sit around my house. I mean, if I don't celebrate my birthday, who will? I have two new podcast recommendations for you this week. The first is a podcast called Twin Flames. Now, the description that I found on Deadline says, it's a limited series that follows two YouTubers who promise their followers the secret of true love. But when some of their believers cross the line from love to obsession, the YouTubers are accused of running a cult. It's hosted and narrated by Stephanie Beatrice. And it, it, this completely threw me off because I actually had to look it up and make sure that the Stephanie Beatrice who was narrating is the Stephanie Beatrice I was thinking of because she doesn't sound anything like the character she played on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She was Rosa on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She doesn't sound anything like that in real life. 
I would have never known it was her. It's uh, part of the Wondery group of podcasts, but you do not have to have a subscription to listen. Uh, the subscription really only offers early access and maybe ad-free. That's not worth me paying for. I'll just wait for them to come out. There's new episodes weekly. I am two episodes in so far. I haven't listened to the newest one yet, but I do like it. Um, it's a little weird. Um, well, if it sounds like something you might be interested in, listen, and then let me know what you think. It is a little weird, but not so weird that I'll stop listening. I don't know what it is about these types of scams, I guess. I find it fascinating what people will do for love or weight loss. More on that in a minute. The second podcast I came across actually by accident. Uh, You guys know, I've told you in the past, I'm not the best sleeper. And that was just made worse when I went into menopause and then I started with the night sweats. Anybody who is currently experiencing hot flashes or night sweats, I, I just tell you, I, I feel your pain. They suck. I mean, literally, I can be having a conversation with someone and in the middle of the conversation, I can feel myself starting to sweat. It is so embarrassing. And, you know, you look at me, you can kind of figure out what my age would be. You know immediately what is causing that reaction. As if having your period for most of your life isn't punishment enough. Just when you're done with that, you get the joy of hot flashes and night sweats. Isn't being a woman awesome? Anyway, so even before menopause... I used to have trouble sleeping. I had no trouble falling asleep. My problem was staying asleep. But now with the hot flashes, they wake me up. I'm uncomfortable. I'm hot. I'm sweaty. And now I'm having more trouble going back to sleep in the middle of the night, which didn't used to be the case. Although I would wake up often, I could quickly fall back asleep. So I was kind of trying to figure out, you know, what I could do to help me. And I realized that listening to a podcast before I went to sleep did help. The problem was, as soon as the podcast ended, I would wake up and I would have to start one all over again. Well, on accident, I don't I can't even tell you how I found it or what pointed me to it. But I knew that there were apps that you could get that had like different sounds that could help you sleep, but usually they require a paid subscription. But I found a podcast that offers white noise or nature sounds. The other night I used one that was like a rainstorm and it was awesome. The podcast is called Relaxing White Noise. Most are eight hours long. Some are shorter. Some are, you know, only an hour, maybe two hours it offers different sounds from just plain white noise to 
waterfalls, ocean waves, thunderstorms, even train or airplane sounds. I haven't been using it that long. Um, I think tonight will be night five. But maybe it is just psychosomatic, but it does seem to be helping, at least with the going to sleep part. And when I'm waking up during the middle of the night from the night sweats or whatever is causing me to wake up, the white noise app is kind of helping me ease back into, into sleep faster than I was before. So, you know, I am still waking up in the middle of the night. It hasn't solved that issue, but it is helping with getting me back to sleep. So I am grateful. So if you're having trouble, you might want to try this. Um, again, it's called the White Noise app. It's free. It should be available wherever you get your podcasts. No new TV recommendations this week. I did kill a couple of hours watching Free Guy on HBO Max. I would only recommend this if you really like Ryan Reynolds, and I do. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's just not great either. So if you're also a Ryan Reynolds fan, he has so many other better movies to choose from. I would skip free guy if I were you. All right, guys, now that you're all caught up on my week, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So this week, in a continuing effort to get back to the joys of podcasting and maybe a little more joy in my personal life, I found myself starting to think about going back on the dating apps. Now, granted, I've been on them many times in the last few years, each time I've been unsuccessful, but I still have held on to just a tiny little bit of hope. The old, maybe this time will be different trap that I've fallen into so many times before. What is it about the possibility of different that is so alluring that it causes us to put all reason and past experience aside and try again? When I really started looking at my history with the apps, the only continuous thread I could find was failure. I failed every time I've been on in the last few years. No matter what app, no matter what my parameters were or what my profile stated, I was not able to make even one meaningful connection. Now, I realize that some of this may be my fault. Well, maybe more than some. Perhaps I'm too picky. Maybe I self-sabotage, but maybe there is something else at play that I hadn't considered. Maybe the dating apps are designed to keep you coming back. Is it possible that dating apps are setting us up for failure? According to stati statistics I found, dating apps actually have a really low rate of success. It's comforting to know I'm not the only one. Like me, most people sign up when they're feeling lonely or bored or are seeking validation. All of those likes, they are a real dopamine hit. I kept going back because I told myself that if I wanted to be in a relationship, I had to put forth a real effort. In the beginning, when I would first download the app, it's exciting. I would go in optimistic, but eventually it gets discouraging and it would start to feel more like an obligation. 
I'd go on the app out of guilt because I'd made a commitment emotionally and monetarily to at least try. So I'd open the app to see a bunch of messages, which dwindled in number with each passing week. Messages that were either disrespectful and or sexist from guys who I wasn't interested in or who didn't match my parameters. Or I would get no response from the guys where I made the first move and sent a message. And for my part, I got lazier as the weeks went by. I wasn't the best at responding to messages. The last few times I was on, I didn't even turn on the notifications because just seeing that I had a message or a like or whatever, it got overwhelming almost. It, it felt like like a job, you know, something I had to do. In an effort to make a connection with someone, anyone, I would lower my expectations and change my parameters. Maybe I would increase the radius so that they could live further away. Or I would take off the must be six feet tall. Or I would widen the age range. But in the end, nothing worked. The whole experience just ended up making me feel worse about myself. If I were to believe the commercials and anecdotal examples... Everyone but me was finding love on the dating apps. That is until I found an article on Newsweek that at least made me feel a little bit better about the whole demoralizing experience. The article said that dating apps are not designed to get rich off of your happily ever afters. Their business model revolves around growing membership revenues by attracting new customers and by retaining old ones. Some apps like Tinder make money off advertising, too. Each time a match or Tinder member gets married and stops using the app, that's one fewer paying customer. And despite Hinge's tagline that it's designed to be deleted, that's actually the last thing any dating app wants. In fact, the repeat customer is their favorite customer. The article goes on to say that None of the following words appeared in the 2019 annual report from Match Group. Words like married, marriage, wedding, couple, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, husband, wife. The word partner appeared three times, but only in reference to the company's business partners. Tinder, Match, and OkCupid do not want you to go off their site. They want to transform you into lifelong shoppers. Match Group admits as much in its annual report boasting that, quote, successful experiences drive repeat usage, end quote. And in case you're thinking that probably it's only a small percentage of dating apps, Match Group is the parent company to Match, Tinder, Hinge, OkCupid, and Plenty of Fish. I'm willing to admit that I wasn't always the best at checking the app or responding to the messages. Sometimes my standards and expectations were too high. And sometimes I passed on guys for purely superficial reasons. But it turns out none of that really matters if they are not designed for success. Based on the most recent data taken in 2021, one third of Americans have used a dating app at some point. Other stats show that those, of those users, 
only one third have actually gone on a date. And only 19% of that one third have entered into a successful relationship. Successful being defined as lasting longer than nine months. For Tinder, one analysis found that 70% of its users have never even gone on a single date. 70%. If you manage to connect long-term with someone that you meet through an app, research shows that people who met online are more likely to break up in the first year, and they are three times more likely to get divorced if they get married. Another article, this one on Wired.com, wondered why in 2021, the dating app algorithms are still so bad, saying nobody who spent any amount of time on them would be surprised to hear that Tinder or Grindr rank in the top 10 of apps most likely to leave users feeling sad. <laughs> Meanwhile, not a single date, dating or hookup app made it to the parallel list of the 15 apps most conducive to happiness. Machines can only work with what you give them, says Samantha Joel of Western University in Canada, whose research focuses on how people make decisions about their romantic relationships. Joel goes on to say, some things are highly predictable, some things are not, and we just haven't found the right input to predict attraction. The main reason for this, of course, the art of attraction or the reasoning why we find someone attractive, it isn't as simple as a transparent process. Some people might be secretly embarrassed by what they find attractive or may not even be aware that they find a particular trait attractive, which means that the algorithm that is supposed to pick up on the patterns of your swipes isn't going to. And then it won't produce more possible matches for you. Like, for example, I might have a height requirement. Well, I don't, it's not a might. I do have a height requirement of at least six feet tall. And maybe I add in there that, you know, you must love cats. But when I meet someone in real life, I'm not basing any attraction I might feel on either of those factors. I'm basing it on a feeling that you can only get if you meet someone face to face. And this whole idea of being set up for failure isn't limited to just dating apps. Guys, let's talk about the diet industry, specifically Weight Watchers. About 15 years ago, I signed up for Weight Watchers and it did work. I lost weight until I went off the program back to real life and I quickly gained the weight back. Because this wasn't the only time I had lost weight and regained weight, I of course blamed myself. Then. A few years back, I started to hear rumblings about the scam that is Weight Watchers. When you think about it, their business model is brilliant. People give Weight Watchers the credit when they lose weight. Then they regain the weight and they blame themselves. This sets them up to join Weight Watchers over and over and over again. And they do, just like the dating apps. The company brags about this to its shareholders. According to Weight Watchers business plan, its members have demonstrated a consistent pattern of repeat enrollment over the, a number of years, signing up for an average of four separate program cycles. In an interview for the documentary called 
The Men Who Made Us Thin, former CFO Richard Samber explained that the reason the business was successful was because the majority of customers regained the weight they lost. Or as he put it, that's where our business comes from. There have been studies that show that Weight Watchers works, and it is true to a certain extent. Most of the time, a whopping 94% of the time, the weight loss is short term, with users gaining the weight back in the long term. Now, I know this isn't just the case for Weight Watchers, but I happened to choose Weight Watchers because this is the one I had heard the most bad things about. But really, it is the entire weight loss industry. Now, to be fair, Weight Watchers doesn't explicitly promise long-term weight loss, but on its website, it does promise to, quote, help you change your relationship with food for good, end quote. How else is anyone supposed to interpret that? I found another article, this one called Seven Reasons Why Weight Watchers is the Actual Worst. It was written by Joni Edelman, and she sums it up nicely. She says, I know we all love Oprah, but Oprah does not care about us. If Oprah cared about us, instead of buying stock in Weight Watchers and telling us all about how much she loves bread, she'd just come right out and say, I'm Oprah Winfrey. I love food. But I do not love being fat. So I've done Weight Watchers 17 times. I know the 18th time is not a charm, but I'm going to do it anyway. I think that sums it up nicely. The bottom line is, your body is not bad. Even if it's fat, it still is not bad. Weight Watchers would have you believe that it is. They will sign you up with promises that you can lose a pound or two a week, and they'll charge you $85 a month for it. Your body is not bad. Don't believe them. And neither are your dating standards or my string of dating app failures. Maybe for me, the answer can't be found in apps. Maybe in order to find success, I'll have to put effort in the real world, do the work, make the lifestyle changes, actually try and do things differently this time. Hmm. If only I could find an app to help me with that. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks for coming back for episode 80. Don't forget, join the Facebook group, My So-Called Midlife Podcast, and like the Facebook page, My So-Called Midlife Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at JennyJoy316. If you like the podcast, tell your friends and then tell them to listen. Spotify listeners, leave a review. Five stars only, please. If you have a question or topic suggestions, you can email me at my so-called midlife podcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Love you. Bye.